Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Morning Java. I'm Jeff Hartman here with Alex Dump and we're always sponsored by the Get-Go Cafe and Market. Alex, what's your favorite sandwich at Get-Go? I'm curious. You know, I usually go for the burgers, you know, or or if I'm feeling pretty adventurous, you know, late at night, like a late night tuna sub. Tuna sub? Yeah. Right. perfect midnight food to each their own you know to each their own but you know gecko cafe and market is obviously a sponsor of the show they have a lot of you can get everything on their app they deliver to your car it's pretty awesome yep. make sure you check that out now today we're talking because alex is here we're talking about pirates we're talking about the upcoming season which is right around the corner i know you're excited i'm excited fans should be excited but here's something that i can't say i was super excited about when i heard this piggybacking theory Maybe maybe fans haven't been paying attention, haven't been reading your stuff, but what in the world is this piggybacking theory? This sounds really goofy. It sounds like something my kids would do, but explain it for those out there that don't know. You know, it's almost like a Little League thing in that regard. <laughs> uh, one, one pitcher's going to come in, he's going to throw about three or four innings, and then someone else is going to come in and throw two to four innings. I mean, it's instead of it's basically sharing the workload of a starting pitcher between two guys and the two that we know for sure that have been approached. And it, it looks fairly likely that it's going to happen for the fifth spot are Stephen Brault and Chad Cole. Chad Cole is coming off of the Tommy John surgery. Uh, Stephen Brault had a shoulder problem last year. Then again, in Bradenton, neither one is really stretched out to go full length for a starting pitcher quite yet. And they want to get both of them innings. It's an interesting proposal it's something that the analytical community has talked about for a while because if you look at starting pitchers they really start to struggle that third time through the order so if you can minimize those at bats you know third time to get through that could really be an advantage and those two specifically for the Pirates Brault and Cole talked to Colin Moran about this because I think he was the first batter to experience it firsthand he's like it's two completely different looks they're coming from different arm slots different sides you know, different arms, you know, cools, breaking stuff breaks a whole lot differently than Brault's. That's what they're trying to play on. The batteries never get into that group of like, okay, I've seen this pitcher before. I got to watch some film. Now I'm ready for that next at bat against them. They're, try- they're trying to avoid that by doing this. So I'm, I'm not alone when I say that, I, I, you know, there's definitely deficiencies in the Pirates starting lineup. And piggybacking is a way to kind of minimize those. Is there another pitcher you mentioned, Brault and Cool, that could possibly join the mix or maybe even have 
two piggybacking duos. Is there anyone else on the roster that you're just like, this guy could be in the rotation too? Well, I, I'm 0 for 2 in guessing. We've had these player interviews. I'm like, so have you been approached with piggybacking Clay Holmes? No. Rats. That's a fun <laughs> conversation afterwards. Uh, the two who I think are the most likely after would be Chris Stratton and Robbie Erlin. Okay. Uh, Stratton started part of last year. We Pirates fans got to see him, you know, in action last year. Really worked on, you know, how he uh, left the rubber, you know, pushing off that. Saw a big spike in velocity and spin. He seems like the type of guy who could, yeah, go three innings. And Robbie Erlin is the same situation. I mean, he was a spot starter last year for San Diego, had more success out of the bullpen. Those two, it's not quite as profound a jump as, like, broke to cool. But it hits on a lot of the same things where it's a righty and then a lefty, you know, different arm slots from where the ball is going to be coming from. It plays on a lot of the same things that the parts like about that bro cool duo piggybacking is it the next big thing in major league baseball uh maybe kind of like, kind of mean, like the kind of like the opener you know last year i would say the opener like is this I the, think next the big thing? i think the opener is still more likely to be the next big thing over piggybacking because piggybacking requires two roster spots or two yeah. players to fill essentially one roster spot now granted you know, rosters are going to be 26 going from here on out. And, you know, you just played generations of baseball with 25. So it's not like it's impossible. You, you can do it. But is that really the best allocation of your roster spots? It's different whenever you have an expanded roster for the first almost month of the season that, yeah, you can use two guys filling out one spot and still have that extra bat or those extra arms in the bullpen. But for 2021 going on, this would really have to work, I think, for the parts to be like, yeah, we're going to stick with this and we'll just play with 25 men you know, for every other game. All right, Alex, next up, you know, you talked about piggybacking in the first segment. Now we're talking about Josh Bell. In my opinion, every single Pirates team that has been a contender, that has been, we'll call them legitimate, uh, even a threat in the division has had that one player that almost is transcendent, you know? Some might say Starling Marte was in that category. I think we would all agree that Andrew McCutcheon was in that category. Is Josh Bell in that category? And if not, what does he need to do to get there? I mean, I right now, no. I do not say, based on the Josh Bell we have seen from even 2019 and before, Josh Bell is not quite in that transcendent talent. As a hitter, he could be. We have seen that for weeks, months, but it's putting together the whole season, which is something that he hasn't quite done yet in the major leagues. And also really trying to, you know, get something out of that defense because, I mean, he really reworked the throwing mechanics. I know I've tweeted a video or two about it, and it's a submarine throw now. So a couple people are like, okay, just underhanded at that point. (laughs) But, no, it it does look better. I mean, you can make fun of the submarine, but just look at those old videos from last year. I mean, it's it's a whole lot better. He's going to turn that 3-6-3 double play one of these days, and he's going to be – Elated, and that's going to be a fun story to watch or to to write that day. Um, yeah, that's going to be the big thing as a hitter. Yes, you can be that transcendent talent. It's putting together for a full year, and also not having your value just submarined by by the glove. That's the big thing. Like last year, as a hitter, if you look at his stats, considering that he missed, you know, the last couple of weeks of the season, it's like that's a guy who. Yeah, he he should be an all-star. He should be even a starter for the all-star. 
but he's not that far away from being, you know, in the discussion for MVP as far as hitting numbers are concerned. But once you've taken his fielding and his base running into consideration, no, he, he's, he's not in that discussion yet. He's still firmly all-star. Well, the funny thing is, is that when you look at Josh Bell, I mean, defensively, he does have shortcomings. That's well-documented, and you just mm-hmm. said it. Hitting-wise, you know, you have a switch hitter. What does he need to do at the plate? Do you think he needs to hit more for average? We know he has the power. But, I mean, what is he missing at the plate, in your opinion, that might be like, well, in this season where the NL has a DH, he can be an impact player every single day, even if he's not in the field with a glove on his hand? I think the big thing is just – communicating when he is tired because last year we saw him slowly start to decline you know in June in July whenever or July before the all-star break whenever he played basically every day and then he does the all-star break and you think well okay that's going to be you know a couple days off well no because he has to travel to Cleveland and he has to do the do the home run derby then he's got to play the next day and then he's got to do another day he didn't get any time to rest yeah during all that and it wasn't really until Hurdle said, look, you got to sit for three days. And he actually got that all-star break that, you know, we saw Josh Bell return to his form. The DH, I think, will really be beneficial in that, you know, he, he's going to get a couple days where he's off his feet. He just has to worry about hitting. That'll really help. The shortened season, I think, would be a benefit for him because look what he did through the first 60 games last year. Not saying he's got to do that again, but it proved that, you know, if he has to, he can play every day for 60 days and be a darn good hitter. But I think going forward, it's just that communicating whenever you need a day off. Maybe take it a day off more than you want to. I mean, just, okay, I've got to come in as a pinch hitter instead. The DH, if it does come to the National League in 2022, he would still be under team control, I think would also be a benefit long-term. But he's a first baseman first. He wants to be a first baseman first. So that's kind of just a short-term solution. It'll benefit in 2020, though. So, you know, when you think about switch hitters, you think about Neil Walker, who was in Pittsburgh for a long time. And a lot of people would always say, oh, why is he switch hitting? He's awful on one side of the play. Is there a weakness in Bell's at-bats? left-handed right-handed is there a strength is there one side that's better than the other i he, he's a better swinger left-handed but i mean i i don't put too much stock into all of that he he hits still he still hits well right-handed it's not like neil walker you know back in the day whenever he was a pretty terrible hitter yeah. you know batting right-handed and it's like well why don't you stick lefty it's well come on he's then you have a left on left is he really going to do that much better in that right. regard, but yeah. Well, we'll see. Josh Bell does need to step up for the Pirates, that's for sure, in this shortened season. If they can have a 60-game tear like he had last year, well, I'll tell you what, the Pirates will do some damage. All right, Alex, last segment here. You talked about deficiencies. We talked about it in the rotation in segment one. We talk about it with Josh Bell. Maybe it's in the field in segment two. And segment three is going to be the infield. I think when you look at the Pirates' infield, especially third base, what is the answer for the team at third base? Please tell me it's not Colin Moran. I like Colin Moran. I just don't think he's your everyday third baseman. Am I off my rocker here or what? No, I mean, in a perfect world, it would be Cabrian. Maybe not, you know, immediately out of the gate, but at some point in 2020, Cabrian Hayes takes the reins. He becomes the everyday third baseman, and Colin Moran bounces between backing him up at third, backing up Josh Bell at first, and DH, and, you know, that type of role. Uh, but Cabrian hasn't been on the field yet. And that 
especially for a position player, that basically guarantees that he won't be ready for the start of the season. And he might not even be particularly ready for a little bit into the season, which, you know, from a service time standpoint would benefit the Pirates because that means they have an excuse on why they, you know, didn't promote him immediately and why they get to keep that extra year of team control. But from in terms of a competitive standpoint and from developing him as a player, that's not great. That's pretty bad, actually. So Cabrian missing this much time in camp is not good. And it basically leads to Colin Moran being the option at third base because Jose Asuna is going to bounce all around and in that DA troll and backing up all over the place. So Moran, you know, talking to him in Bradenton, he, he wants those at-bats against left-handers. He felt the platoon role really took him out of his rhythm because there'd be days whenever, you know, you, you play three days in a row and then you get pinched hit in the sixth inning and then you don't play for two or three days. He's a guy who really, really relies on that consistency. You know, that going to the office, knowing I'm going to get this at-bat, these at-bats over the course of the day. I think he's someone who gets better as the game goes on and can study his at-bats against pitchers. You know, that third time through the order, I think that's whenever he does his best work. But there are serious concerns about the glove. That's the number one thing with Colin Moran. Like, if you look at the bat, it's like, yeah, I can work with that bat at third base. But it's the glove that is the real concern. And he moves pretty well to his left, but not to his right. So you have to really wonder whenever they do all these shifts, how much does that hurt Colin? Because if he has to make, you know, play two or three feet to his, or two or three steps to his right, you know, make a backhand, odds of him doing that aren't that good. Well, let's, let's talk about Moran is Moran, in my opinion. I mean, there's probably going to be some improvement if he does get to play there almost every day. That's just natural. Let's talk about Hayes for a second. He hasn't been at camp yet. You're talking about, which uh, is a very typical Pirates discussion of, well, let's not bring this player up until X date so we don't have to give them a year. That's always it's not the, just Pirates. That's it's been, the, I know, league, but, but it, yeah. it was that way with Polanco. It was that way with Bell. Every yeah. single big prospect, they always waited. And it was a, it kind of always stuck with Pirates fans on, especially on Twitter. But anyways, you think that even take all that stuff out of it, take out the the money part, take out the year of service part. Is he, from a skill standpoint, ready for the majors, or do you still think he needs some time? I think so. I think he's ready for the major leagues. The real concern is the bat. And it's, I mean, he does a lot of things right. He doesn't strike out all that much. He draws walks, and he hits the ball hard. It's actually elevating the ball as he's hitting it. And in Bradenton, he and Rick Eckstein started making strides. They they felt like they started making strides to doing that. If that's the type of that's the type of situation that Hayes needs to be in right now. He needs to be in that environment where he can work with major league coaches. That's where he's going to finally become a major league player. I don't think if this was a regular if this was a normal season, then yeah, that extra month or two in uh, Indianapolis would have made sense. But with the way the season is structured right now, if he was in camp, there would really be no disadvantage to him being in the major leagues to start and maybe you platoon him with Colin Moran you know don't tell Colin that because I just (laughs) said that two minutes ago but you know so he gets you know more favorable at bats the glove is major league ready I mean he could be a legitimate gold glove contender one day if not a gold glove winner one day he runs the base as well 
he's coachable. He does he checks every single box. It's just making that leap. And this season really, really hurts him in that regard because he doesn't get that opportunity, you know, as clearly as he would in a regular season. If this was a normal season, yeah, it would have been like Polanco where June 5th, oh, he's finally ready. Wow, yeah. isn't it great that he's finally major league ready now that we're past the Super 2 deadline? Yeah. So your prediction is Hayes will be playing for the Pittsburgh Pirates by the end of this 60-game sprint? I think he'll be starting for the Pittsburgh oh, Pirates good. by the end of this 60-game sprint. It'll be some experience for him either way. And, and a lot of people think that if you're going to have, well, I hate to use the term, a bridge year, <laughs> a 60-game bridge year wouldn't be bad. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> we'll end it on that. There you go.